0: Today we're going to study about the resurrection of Jesus. I'm sure all of us believe, I'm sure all of us believe that he really rose up from the dead and when Easter comes around we are excited. Jesus is risen, Jesus has risen. And you know this is the central message of Christianity. Paul says if Christ has then rise from the dead then Our preaching is vain, our ministry is vain, the beatings we get are vain, everything we do in vain. So, uh, uh, Christianity revolves around this one huge subject that is resurrection, that is resurrection. And so today we are going to look at it from a very apologetic perspective and understand how do we give an answer when somebody asks or somebody says if resurrection didn't even happen. We're going to look at some historical facts behind resurrection, and you know, as I was studying through it, I was looking, going through the material. I realized it's better to split it into two sessions and do it than you know pack everything in one. Uh, because you know, before I used to pack a lot in one session, and I found that though people learned, They didn't process it well because it was too much in one uh, sitting. So it's better to give a little reflect on that and then we can talk about it in the next session. So let's get into it quickly. Uh, Let's jump into the study for today. So whenever skeptics talk about the resurrection, in general, there are some things that they don't deny. Whenever people who doubt the resurrection, there, there are some things that they don't deny. That is, Jesus was crucified and buried. That's one fact that they don't deny. The second fact they don't deny it is that after three days, his body was not in the tomb. Okay? This is a fact that even skeptics don't deny. And also another fact that they don't deny is that there were reported appearances of Jesus over 40 days to believers and non-believers. So this is another fact that they don't deny. And so also another fact is that their lives were transformed and those who saw him proclaimed Christ until death. One main example, one prime example is Thomas. Now, Thomas is a big deal in India because we know he came to India and he did the work here and died in, in, in Chennai. And so what, one thing about his life was that, what does he say? Until I touch his hands. And see him for myself, I will not believe. And when he saw that, he was so convicted that he even died for Christ. And so people who saw him lived a transformed life, lived a life that that changed people and societies around them. Now, these are facts that nobody denies. Even people who doubt the resurrection do not deny. What they dispute is how the resurrection might have happened. Okay. We have to understand what they... Don't agree with and what they agree with. What they don't really agree or what they try to dispute is how the resurrection happened. Okay, now let me present a couple of their arguments. One of their first arguments is that Jesus didn't die. One of their first arguments is that Jesus didn't die, but rather those who were conducting his execution believed that he was dead. That was their argument. They say, oh, Jesus didn't die, but those who were doing his crucifixion, who were, you know, beating him, they believed that he was dead. But in actual, he was not dead. This is one of those arguments. And what they also go on to say is that sometimes after the tomb, sometime after the tomb, when he was placed, he comes out and leaves the place. So their argument is Jesus didn't die, but but he was placed in the tomb. And after he was placed in the tomb, he somehow comes out. And goes on to see his disciple. So, what is their point here? Resurrection didn't happen. So, you see what they agree. They agree, okay, Jesus met people after. But what they don't agree is, Jesus did not rise from the dead. If you look at at, uh, resurrection, it's a very unique doctrine, not found anywhere. It's historically proven reliable. No other walk of faith has this. And this is one of the powerful truths about Christianity that has been changing people even today. So people will always attack resurrection. And our responsibility is to give an answer. Give an answer. So their argument is Jesus didn't die, but those who crucified believed he was dead. And when he was put in the tomb, he somehow came out and appeared. Okay. How do we answer that? How do we answer this? Let me give you a couple of points and then we can discuss. Now, for people who claim that Jesus didn't die, but those who were conducting his execution believed he was dead, there were many points you can present from history to say that that is a bad argument or that's a false statement. Okay? Now, if you look at the, one of the first points is this. The New Testament specifically records that Jesus was beaten and scourged before his crucifixion. Jesus was beaten and he was, let's say he was beaten badly, black and blue. He was disfigured. People who saw him could not identify him is he was that bad that he was beaten. And according to the Roman method of crucifixion, this was a procedure. So the Bible says he was beaten. According to the Roman procedure of crucifixion, this is one of the ways which caused death of the condemned persons even before they reached the cross. Even before they reached the cross. So the kind of beatings that Jesus got should have killed him before even he reached the cross. That's the kind of beatings that Romans would historically do. That's that's the kind of punishment. And so, if you read Matthew chapter 7, 37 verse 32, can somebody turn to that? Matthew 37, 32. Matthew 37, 32. What does it say? 37, sorry, 27. <laughs> There's no 37 in Matthew. Twenty seven thirty two. Uh uh-huh. hm, Simon Belling, hm, him to Okay, and then they had come to a place, to Yes. So, we see here that Jesus was physically weakened, that someone else carried the cross for Jesus. He was physically weakened. So, the argument of people saying that he didn't actually die, but he was just identified by, the, by those who you know, crucified him, believed he was dead. No. We see him, that he was beaten badly. He was weak and he was led to a point where he himself could not carry the cross to Golgotha. This is a clear sign of his failing condition. That is the first argument. What is it? That according to the Roman method of crucifixion, this was a procedure that caused death. Caused death. The second point you can make is this. Should I go a little slowly or am I rushing? These are very important points. Uh, even if you're not able to take it uh, fully, I can send the notes to you, but you can just write down the points. Uh, you know, as I was preparing this, I was thinking to myself, somebody should take this and teach in your hostel. One of you should take this material, I can, I can send it to you and teach in your hostel about the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, because it is not just a simple event, but an event that changed the entire humankind. Okay? So let's look at this. Second, the Romans were experts at carrying out crucifixion. If somebody comes and tells, you know, Jesus didn't die, but he just, you know, people who executed him thought he was dead. We have to tell them, listen, Romans were experts at crucifixion. Who were they? They were experts. In other words, you know, the Romans knew death very well. In fact, a soldier was held accountable if the victim whom they crucified did not die. Okay, in the Roman, the way it would work in the Roman Empire is that during a punishment, if a victim was handed over to the soldiers to crucify, to be crucified, if the victim didn't die, then the Roman soldiers will be held accountable. So what the Roman soldiers would do is that they would make sure that the victim died by all means. So we're talking about uh, arguments against resurrection. One of the arguments is that they say. Jesus did not actually die, but the people who, were, who crucified him thought he was dead, but he actually didn't die. That's what. So we are looking at ways to refute that argument. And so one thing is that Romans were experts at carrying out crucifixion, and they knew death very well, and the soldier's responsibility was to kill that person. If they didn't die, it will fall on the soldiers themselves. They have to make sure that the victim is dead. Okay, so you you see how this argument works against these false theories about crucifixion. Okay, the third point is this. Turn with me to John chapter 19 verse 33 to 35. John 19 verse 33 to 35. We see here that, uh, that a spear was thrust on the side of Jesus. On Jesus' side, close to his rib, and what what comes out? Water. John chapter 19, verse 33 to 35. Can somebody read that passage? Okay. So, what does this mean? You know, when when they thrust the spear. It shows the rupture of the pericardium. Then this is a membrane that encloses the heart and it consists of an outer fibrous layer and an inner double layer of serious membrane. (laughs) I'm just reading a definition. So basically any time a soldier did this, even if the victim did not die, just by thrusting the spear they will die. You get what I'm saying? So people making an argument saying, no, no, he didn't die. He somehow survived. We see John, the gospel writer, writing this, that they thrust a spear in his side. And this shows the rupture of the pericardium. And if the victim didn't die, such a thrust would cause instant death. Instant death. Okay. So what does it say? We look at history, clearly establishes the fact that Jesus truly died. It's not like people thought he died and he somehow escaped and came, but he truly died on the cross. How many points have I shared so far? Three. The fourth one was this. The death of Jesus was viewed by close eyewitnesses and friends and people around him. Even enemies knew that he was dead, that he was dead. And after he had, was taken from the cross, this is the fifth point. After he was taken from the cross, they wrapped him in cloths and bathed him in heavy spices by loving friends. Just imagine, you know, people who argue and say that Jesus didn't die. And uh, if this argument were true, when they were, you know, preparing his body for, <laughs> for burial, putting the spices, in, they would have figured out that he was not dead people are smart enough to find out when somebody is not dead and also when, when a person dies the body will turn cold and the bones become stiff you know a lot of things happen so when, whenever people come up with an argument like this saying no he didn't die it's just uh opinion without any fact especially in the world we live today there are too many opinions uh, they think uh, if, you know I'm, I'm doing this study in masters in leadership and you can't say anything there Without a back, backing. You can't go there and say, oh, I think and this is my opinion. They'll, they'll send you out. Like, Go. <laughs> carry your opinion and go, leave the class. You have to state uh, your, you know, what you think with some background information that is solid. People who come up with these theories don't have any proper background information, but it's just that they don't want to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And because they don't want to believe... They say all sorts of things. But we look at history, it's clearly established that Jesus truly died on the cross. Amen. Any questions so far? Okay. The sixth one, if Jesus had to escape from the tomb, if Jesus had to escape from the tomb, he would need to get up, first of all, push the huge stone, and second, overpower the Roman gods. And then overpower to the Roman gods and then appear to his followers. This is a practical thing that should have happened if Jesus didn't die. Okay? But all this never happened. You see, rather, the Roman gods were given money to stay quiet. Like, don't tell anybody about what actually happened, but tell everybody that disciples stole the body of Jesus. Last point. The disciples reacted to a clearly... Um, the beatings that Jesus got were so much that he was disfigured. That even beyond recognition... So, when, when the beatings that Jesus got affected him physically, physically, and when, when Jesus comes back to life, what does Thomas say? Until I see him, until I touch him, I won't believe him. And, and we see that Jesus shows his palm and says, put your hand, in the, where, in the places where the nails were. We see that it, you know, death really happened. It's not something that is just a story that is made up, but death really happened on the cross. Now, if you look at this argument where it says Jesus didn't really die, what this is doing is, if this argument were true, it presents Jesus as a moral failure. He taught one thing, and he did another thing. If if this argument was true, then it will paint Jesus as the one who is not just a liar, but much worse than a liar. Not only Jesus would have deliberately deceived his disciples, but you know, think of all the suffering that disciples went through, just because they believed in him, that he is the Messiah, that he rose up from the dead. All of this would have been rubbish. But you see, everything that Jesus did was true. He died, and then he truly rose again. So when people make such arguments, we can give facts from history to say that Jesus truly died. Any questions? Have you ever been in a place where people argued against the resurrection and so far? In college, I had to present a paper. There was a philosopher on whom I was researching called Vengal Chakrai. He's a Hindu philosopher. And he said Jesus didn't really die. That was his argument. And uh, if you ever go to a seminary, this is one of those biggest things that you will learn. Uh, and this is something that uh, that you will encounter one day if you haven't so far, and this is one of the most convincing truths of the bible truths of the Bible. People who say, "Oh, Bible is just a legendary, you know the the resurrection of Jesus was just a legend or well, just a myth. You can tell them see it's this is how the Romans did it, and this is what really happened, and there are so many proofs and so many evidences which we can produce. To say that Jesus truly died and rose up from the dead. Okay, so this is one argument. Another argument is this: Are you with me? Is this interesting? Another argument is this: the most po- this and this is the most popular argument. The disciples of Jesus didn't really see Jesus, but they were hallucinating. They just had an experience as if. He was there, but in reality, he was not there, okay? I, uh, when I said this word, hallucinating, I was reminded of my friend from Bangalore. He was telling me his past life. He was like, bro, I would sit on the, uh, on the top of my house and then take some, you know, the drug, and then I'll just start saying stuff. <laughs> People hallucinate when they take some drugs or because of some side effects, they hallucinate. And this is one of those arguments where it says that the disciples of Jesus hallucinated. The disciples of Jesus were uh, uh, just hallucinating. They, they thought that they saw him, but they didn't actually see him. He was not there in reality. And, and, I, and I strongly believe that this is also the conviction of many Jews Many Jewish people believe that he didn't really rise from the dead, but it's just a hallucination. How do we respond to this? How do we respond to this? And so how do we answer this question? Every account in the gospel showcases the fact that the disciples in no way expected Jesus to rise from the dead. Now there is this quote that I want to show you before I go on. Um, that is from Richard Carrier who believes in this theory of hallucination where he believes that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead but rather the disciples hallucinated and they saw him. He said like this, I believe the best explanation consistent with both scientific findings and the surviving evidence is that the first Christians experienced hallucinations of the risen Christ of one form or other. In the ancient world, to experience supernatural manifestation of go- ghosts, gods, and wonders was not only accepted, but encouraged. Okay. This is his um, uh, argument for, in favor of, that disciples hallucinated. And something about hallucination or uh, thing like this is that people who hallucinate or do such things, it, they do things that lead up to that moment. Okay, uh, like somebody who is, you know, like say into the supernatural, talking about the dark side of things. People who are into that, people who want to experience things, will think about it, live in that, do things that will make them experience that. But you look at the disciples of Jesus. First of all, they no way, in no way, the, the 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 idea of resurrection didn't really hit them until Jesus resurrected from the dead. So when Jesus died. They were like, okay, it's all over, done. What's there? You, you don't see any disciple saying, okay, Jesus is going to rise from the dead, let's get together and wait. Is there any disciple who said that? No. <laughs> Rather, they were they least, this is something that they least expected. So there was nothing that drew them up to that moment where they would hallucinate. Rather, they didn't believe at all, and then Jesus appears in the room. Physically. He appears in the room and he says, "In to touch me. He appears to them physically. In other words, they least expected Jesus to do something like this. They were not even thinking of it. And so there is no clue of hallucination of any kind here in this story. Is that clear? Is that clear? Because the Jewish believe, the second point is this, they only look forward to resurrection at the end of the world. Resurrection to them would happen only at the end of the world. So, no one was believing that it will happen and so uh, they they thought, okay, Jesus is not going to return or maybe something else would happen. So, they didn't even look forward to the resurrection of Jesus. The third argument against this is that this account fails to uh, talk about the remarkable things that happened after the resurrection of Jesus. Because if it was just a hallucination, how can people be so convinced? And, and if it was just a hallucination, you look at not just one person, not just two, not just three, over 500 people saw him. And Paul writes like this in 1 Corinthians 5, 15, verse 3 to 8, what does he say? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3 to 8. He says like this. I'll, I'll read from verse 4. Pay attention. And then he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, verse 6. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Like, how could 500 people be hallucinating at the same time? You see this. So there are historical evidences to say that this theory is not. True. Um, verse 7 says like this, and after that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Now, one thing about James is that G- James was the half brother of Jesus. And James didn't really believe in Jesus. We see in the Gospels that his family did not put his faith in him. And James was one of those men who didn't believe in Jesus, yet he saw Jesus later and believed. Verse 8, Paul says, then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. So the appearance of Jesus not just occurred once, multiple times to many people, not just to individuals, but to a group, not just at one location, but at multiple locations, not just in one circumstance, but multiple circumstances. not just to believers, but even to unbelievers, even to the one who didn't believe him, even to his enemies. You see, so when people say oh, they hallucinated, they ignore the fact that Jesus appeared even to unbelievers. The people who saw him put their faith in him. So these remarkable stories are not, you know. Like, see, one thing about people who bring in such false accusations or some false theories is that they will cherry pick what they need and talk about that. Now, their point of hallucination is that, oh, the disciples simply saw Jesus. But in reality, it was not actually there. What they're ignoring is what happened after resurrection. When you look at what happened after resurrection, it is true that he appeared in reality, in public. Is that clear? That this is a strong argument that can be made against it. Final argument is that if this hallucination theory was true, then they need to explain the appearance of Jesus as to the uh, so appearance of the empty tomb. Empty tomb. In other words, if the hallucination really happened, and if it was just an experience that the disciples have, why was there an empty tomb? Why was there an empty tomb? Obviously the enemies won't be interested in the body of Jesus. They're looking, He's dead and gone, who cares? Even the disciples of Jesus, if they had an hallucination, wouldn't be bothered. But you see, the empty tomb is there even till today. It stands as a big proof for resurrection and this is something not everybody can deny. It is there and it is empty. The tomb is empty. So again, they, they don't really explain about the empty tomb but just say, oh, resistant hallucination. So these are common arguments that you can make against this theory it's It's very important, I believe, to study from this perspective uh and and more importantly, we have to be Christians who give an answer uh, I don't know if you read the article I shared in the church group uh, I really love that article uh, lost my phone. huh lost your phone it, it, uh, it just died oh okay. I share this article called uh, "True Discipleship Means Taking Off Our Blindfolds." True discipleship means taking off our blindfold. It's not that you know when we when we, when we are a Christian when we follow Christ. It's not simply believing, but also we can investigate and truly find out that what we're believing is the truth. So, true discipleship means. Taking off our blindfolds, uh, I like what the what Jerome, the early church father said. Not our Jerome, <laughs> Jerome, the early church father said, "Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ." I believe you know we should read, print that out somewhere, put it on our walls. Every day we have to remember: the more I ignore Scripture, the more I ignore Christ. Isn't that amazing? And he goes on to say, equally we may say that knowledge of scriptures is knowledge of Christ. So you want to grow in the knowledge of God? Read the scriptures. And true discipleship means taking off a blindfold. Not simply believing, but knowing what we believe. And I pray that we will be Christians who will reason our faith. Not just simply give plain answers. Oh, Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, if you don't believe, I'll pray for you. No, sometimes don't pray. Just reason with them. Sit and talk to them about scriptures. Give them factual evidences. Give them supporting evidences. Give them historical proofs. Tell them and present the gospel to them in that way and they will accept. Okay? We have to be, we have to be Christians who are sharp in our knowledge of Christ. That really do the work. Amen. I I really, I was enjoying studying and preparing the subject. Uh, I'll talk about it more in the next session. Any questions so far? Okay, I'll end with a word of prayer. Father, we want to thank you for who you are in our midst and thank you for helping us understand these amazing facts about resurrection, about your work for us, O Lord, and we know it is true historically true and it's proven by different sources a lot. And Father, we know that all that you've done is true and that you desire for us to search out, find out what what the truth is and follow it. And Lord, even as we live life on this earth, we pray that you would help us live in a way that will always be pleasing to you. Help us to give an answer for questions that we will receive about our faith. Help us to believe in what you have said for our lives, O Master. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do in the coming days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.